I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, Brother Brant Bradley. Why don't you come on up? And through a turn of events, the Lord has worked it out for him to speak this morning, which I'm thankful. And so, why don't you come over here? We're going to pray for you before you get started. Do you need this light? Oh, I think I'll be okay with that. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you and we just lift up Brother Brant, Lord, as he comes to bring your word. Lord, we know that your word is perfect and without error. And so we ask, Lord God, that as he delivers it, Lord Jesus, that we would be able to receive edification. Lord, that we would be able to receive any type of uh, rebuke or, or correction, whatever it may be, Lord, that, that he brings for us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to search our hearts and receive it under ourselves, that it may be better in our hearts, Lord, or better for us, Lord, and, and cultivate a, a better uh, Christian walk. Lord, we just, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity. And I pray, Lord, your blessings upon this, this man, Lord, as he brings your perfect word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Brother Brown. Well, good morning. Uh, again, my, my name is Brent Bradley, and I'm sorry for the mistake and everything, but hey, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be here with y'all this morning. You know, I'm, I'm excited to be here with y'all. And uh, I guess before I get started, I'll just tell y'all a little bit about myself real quick. Uh, I was born and raised about 10 miles north of here in Harrisonburg. Uh, so I'm, I'm from here in Catahoula Parish. Uh, my mom and dad are Robert and Gwen Bradley. And uh, uh, my wife's name is Kara, and she was also raised in Harrisonburg. Uh, her mom and dad are, are Vicki and uh, Mike Johnson. So uh, we have uh, two girls. Uh, my oldest is going to turn four in May. And then my youngest, her name's Myra, and my youngest is uh, just turned two last month, and her name is Evelyn. So they're keeping us real busy right now, you know. So, but uh, yeah, I kind of got a little history here with Grace. Uh, I actually uh, came to pre-K here uh, when I was a kid. So I was roaming these grounds when I was four years old, you know. So, and I actually uh, got my first paddling here by a lady named Tommy Oxley. So, yeah. <laughs> So, Miss Tommy, I, I like to think back on that and think that Miss Tommy kind of was the first one that helped me take that step onto the straight and narrow path, you know, with that paddling. So, But anyhow, I've got a lot of good memories here at Grace uh, from that time. And it's kind of a, I guess you would call it, you know, sort of a, a reunion, you know, kind of coming back. You know, and, and kinda, I kind of feel that way anytime I come back to, uh, to Catahoula Parish. Uh, we live in West Monroe now. I don't know if I mentioned that. Been there for about eight years but anyhow it kind of feels like a reunion when I come back and uh you know there's something really enjoyable about seeing a reunion you know it's I used to have a, a big or I have a big family on my mom's side and we used to have a big family reunion over in Gina that's where my mom's from and we would gather up in there and uh we would have uh you know a big easter egg hunt all the kids would and we would have a big water gun fight every year and then at the end, we would all come together, and we would have a big eating. And I, I was kind of born into the, the, my family just at the right time because I got the benefit of having that older generation of women that could really do some cooking, you know. So, yeah, so we really enjoyed that. And, uh, but the best part about the reunion, it wasn't the egg hunt, and it wasn't the water gun fight, and it wasn't the, uh, the eating, you know. The best part of the reunion was just getting to see my family be together again, you know. So that was really special. And another type of reunion I like to see, I don't know if y'all have ever seen these, but it kind of gives me the same feeling, you know. It's when these military mom and dads come home and they surprise their kids. You know, they got the videos out there on the Internet of that, of that happening. And, uh, 
you know, that'll just kind of get me choked up every time, you know. It's just kind of a special thing to see. And I guess the reason I like it so much, these types of reunions, is because it's just good to see people love each other, you know, and be genuinely happy to see one another, you know. So as good as these types of reunions are, there's another type of reunion that I think is even more important. And this reunion is the one that happens when people who have been at odds with one another reconcile. So that's, a, that's a, I think, maybe the most important type of reunion. And the extra special thing about this type of reunion is, that makes it worth celebrating is that element of restoration that's there. So that's, that's the, uh, to me, the extra special thing about that. And, you know, it's just nothing like seeing a, a relationship get restored to how it's supposed to be. And then, uh, and then the joy that comes with that restoration. So today, uh, that's kind of what I was going to talk to you all about. We're going to be looking at the, the parable of the prodigal son. And, uh, and we're going to see a, a relationship that was broken. We're going to see it get restored in this parable. And then the celebration and the joy that comes from that restoration. So the verses uh, that we're going to be in is Luke chapter 15. And we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 24. But uh, we're at, So we're actually picking up about halfway through the parable. So what I'm going to do for us real quick is I'm just going to sum up the first half. I'm, it's, a, it's a pretty common uh, story from the Bible, so I'm sure you all probably know, but I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to sum up the first half uh, just to give us the proper context of the Scripture. So this parable is about a man, and he has two sons, and the younger son asked the father for his inheritance early. And this was a pretty, uh, I guess, kind of shocking thing for him to have done because it's as if he was telling his dad that he wishes he was dead, you know, so he could have what he was going to get when his father did actually die. So it was a pretty bad thing what he did. But the father goes ahead and he gives it to him. And the younger son goes uh, to this far off country and he just blows all of his inheritance. He blows it on just this scandalous and immoral living over there in this far off country. So now this younger brother, he's in a, he's kind of in a bind here. You know, he's in a tight spot. And then... Uh, after that happens, then they have this big famine that hits. So now he's really in a tight spot, you know. So what he ends up doing is he, uh, he hires on with this guy. And uh, one of his responsibilities is to feed this guy's pigs. And this would have been considered like the worst sort of indignation for a Jew. Because they considered the pig, a pig to be like the most unclean animal, you know. So this was a big, a big, bad, a big bad thing here. Uh, but actually it, it gets even worse than that for this younger son because uh, he actually is so low that he considers getting down there and eating what he's feeding the pigs. So he was in a bad place. But just in the nick of time, he kind of has this moment where he comes to his senses. And he says, uh, I'll just go back to my father and I'll admit that I'm wrong. And I'll tell him that I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. And then I'll just, I'll just ask him if I can be a hired hand in his household. So that brings us uh, to the scriptures that we're going to be looking, looking at and we're going to be covering this morning. And I'll read them for us. And I'll start uh, there in chapter 15, verse 20. And it says, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. 
He was lost and has been found. And they begin to celebrate. I'm going to pray for us real quick. Lord, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be here with the, with the good people here at Grace Baptist Church. And I pray that as we've opened your word and we're beginning to go through it, Lord, that you would real, reveal to us the truths that are in it and that you would give us uh, uh, wisdom, Lord, uh, to know how to apply it in our lives, Father. So we just trust you in that. We thank you for this time, and we pray that you'd be glorified in this time together. Amen. So, uh, in verse 20 there, there's this phrase that we see about the younger son, and it says, so he got up. So I I have that phrase here uh, that we see there in verse 20, so he got up. And this phrase means more than just like he stood up off the ground or he stood up out of a chair or something like that. It means more than that. It means that he was at a turning point in his life, this younger son was. He was leaving behind this bad situation that he was in, and he was headed to this far better situation with his father. So uh, I think also it indicates a change that has taken place in the son's heart. You know, before he was arrogant and prideful, and this indicates to us that no longer is that the case. He's now uh, more humble and, uh, and repentant. And he knows that in order for him to go back to the Father, he must do so in humility. And I think that's just a perfect example of how we are to approach the Father. You know, we can't do it in pride with a prideful heart. We have to do it in humility with a humble heart. So also in verse 20, it says that while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now, this kind of makes me wonder why the father would just so happen to see the son when he was a long ways off. You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, it would make sense that the father might notice him when he got close, you know. But it just wouldn't make a lot of sense for him to notice him a long way off. Uh, It'd be kind of like me standing at the front door of my house and noticing somebody, you know, a half a mile down, down uh, down the driveway walking on the road or something like that. You know, I'd be more apt to notice them when they got right up there to my front porch or something, you know. So I think the answer is, is that the father, he didn't just happen to notice him. He had been constantly and intentionally looking for his son, and he had been eagerly awaiting his return. So verse 20 then tells us that when the father saw his son, he ran to him, and he greeted him, and he hugged him, and he kissed him. So we can see that the father's joy here and his eagerness for his son is unmistakable. It's it's unmistakable what he's feeling there. So God the father has the same eagerness to see us come to him in repentance And he's just as joyful when we do as the father in the parable. So this is what sets, I think, you know, our God apart from all these false gods of all the false religions is that our God, he's not indifferent to us and he's not hostile towards us. He longs for sinners to be repentant and he rejoices every time that they do. So and I think there's some other characteristics here that we see in the father of the parable that mirror the characteristics of God and how God responds to those that come to him in repentance. So like the father in the parable, when we repent, God totally forgets our sin. Psalms 103 says that as far as the east is from the west, does he remove our transgressions from us. And then also like the father in the parable, God fully restores our relationship to him when we repent. And another characteristic there uh, that the father in the parable has that I believe is is mirrored in God is that uh, God demonstrates unconditional love to us. 
And I think it's easy to kind of overlook that word. You know, unconditional love, that's kind of one of those words, one of those phrases that's sort of bandied about, you know, and people use it, but they don't really put a lot of thought into what it actually means. So it's important not to overlook that. Uh, And the, the reason why it's so important is because it means that God doesn't put any conditions on his love for us. That's what unconditional means. He doesn't require us to be good enough. You know, he doesn't require us to provide him something in return for his love. And it's a good thing he doesn't because we can't give him anything to to get that, you know. So Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's love for us is so unconditional that while we were doing what he told us not to do, while we were doing what he didn't want us to do, he sent Christ, even then, while we were doing that, He sent Christ to pay for our sins so that we could be saved. That's how unconditional God's love is for us. So in verse 21, we see the son is about to deliver this rehearsed speech. He kind of practiced this speech that he was going to give his, give his father when he got there to him. So he's just about to deliver it, and he's going to confess his wrongdoing, and he's going to admit that he's unworthy. And I think this tells us a lot, what the, what the son's practice speech was going to be. It tells us a lot and how we're supposed to approach God. We have to come to the realization that we're sinners and that we're not worthy of God's grace and His mercy. And when we come to this realization, we'll understand that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And I think that that is so important, is that we understand that we cannot save ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to be good enough. You know, there's nothing that, there's no steps that we can follow. There's no nine-step plan that we can can implement in our lives that's going to save us. Only God can save us. Only through His grace can we be saved. So verse 22, uh, we kind of see in greater detail the father's joy at having his son back. And the son doesn't even make it through his rehearsed lines before the father cuts him off. And he begins to pour out his love on him. And he begins to give him all these gifts uh, that have really significant meaning. Uh, He gave him the robe, and the robe would have been reserved for honored guests. And the ring uh, that he gave him is a symbol of authority. And then the, sand, uh, the sandals that he gave him, uh, typically back then during that time, the slaves and the servants in the household wouldn't be wearing sandals. So the sandals that he gave him symbolized uh, his full restoration to sonship, that he was a, a part of the family. And then that fattened calf uh, was only reserved for the greatest of celebrations. So all these gifts are things that Christ deserves. It's not things that we deserve. It's not things that the Son deserved. It's things that Christ deserves. And it's things that Christ receives from the Father. And when we repent of our sin and trust in Christ, we get to share in these gifts. We get to have all of these gifts through Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says that we are heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. So just like the father in the parable made the son an heir again, we're made heirs through Christ. So we get to partake in all of the gifts and all of the, all of the things that Christ receives. Yes. So in verse 24, the father says, My son was dead, but now he is alive again. And obviously he doesn't mean that the son was dead physically. You know, he means that the relationship that they had had been broken and it was dead. Yes. That their relationship was dead. But the father had restored their relationship, and he had made it alive again. And in the same way, God can restore our relationship to him. He can restore 
anyone's relationship to him in that same way. And he can make what was dead alive again. So I guess in closing here, if there's anyone that uh, doesn't have a relationship with God, anyone here that doesn't have a relationship with God, or anyone here that might have a relationship with God, but it feels like it's kind of grown stale or kind of grown distant, I want to encourage you to approach the Father with a humble heart and he'll restore what's broken. Amen. I'll pray for us. Amen. Lord, uh, thank you so much for the time that we've had together. And thank you so much for the opportunity for me to be here to fellowship with my brother and sister.